Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Welcome everyone to Dayspring Church, and if you're watching online, we also extend our blessings towards you. And those of you who are here in the house of God, welcome to Dayspring Church. Today's a special occasion where we're going to celebrate uh, the Lord, but we're going to honor our pastors that God has given us. Uh, Sister Lorena and Nestor Flores, this day we wish to honor them in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to try to hold my composure. Um, when we first met this family and Pastor Nestor, we, we, we didn't hear him preach. We never heard him preach, but we met him first. And it was that moment of encounter that my wife and I, our kids loved the church already. The kids loved the worship. They loved the preaching. And, but we didn't hear him. But we, when we met them, we just, something tucked in our heart. And we said, we want to be here. We want to be a blessing for them. And by the grace of God, uh, my family and I, we are serving. And we are so thankful to God that they've given us the opportunity and the trust and the confidence to serve along with them. So for that, we wish you, we love you so much. And uh, my message today is to speak upon the compelling purpose of God. And I wish to speak this morning, and I'm only going to speak 10 minutes, and uh, you guys can give me a sign back there. Luke 18.31, for the honor and glory of God. The compelling purpose of God. As pastors and those of us who do work in ministry, our aim and goal is to be like Jesus. And I, I was thinking, how is it, what can I speak upon this day? I wanted to speak upon Jesus, whom is the author and finisher of our faith, about the compelling purpose that he had towards the Father. And likewise, our pastors that have this also compelling purpose of God. How many love our pastors? Amen. God bless. Amen. We're so glad that they're young and they're not old. You know, we don't want to, we're not going to retire them pretty soon. You know, they got a lot of years and uh, gray hairs to grow in Jesus' name. Luke 18.31, it reads as follows. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Would you pray for me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this occasion that you've allowed us to express our words of gratitude through the counsel of the word of God. We thank you for your multiple blessings upon our lives. Father, we ask that the word of God may come alive in our hearts and those who may have heard it for the first time, that our goal and purpose is to serve you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. The compelling purpose of God... When he told his disciples and he gathered them up together, he, he said, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem in the life of our Lord represents a place where he reached the culmination of his ministry and the will of his father. Jesus said even himself, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. Those of us who are working in ministry and provide and give all that we can for the Lord there wasn't an application we filled out. There wasn't a survey that we went online to figure out what should we do. There was something that compelled us in our heart to serve you. And that same heart that Jesus had to fulfill the Father's will is in the heart of our pastors. That we could have easily done, you could have easily done anything else. Could have been, who knows? The compelling purpose of God compels us to do the will of the Father. Seeking to do the will of the Father was a dominating concern throughout the Lord's life. He even said, not my will, but thy will be done. Sometimes as men of God and as women of God, we have to let go of our own desires, our own 
our own time to do the will of the Father. Sometimes our families suffer. Uh, sometimes their family suffers and those around them. You're always busy. Why? Why are you always church, 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 and church and this and church and that? Because the difference is that our life has a purpose, and that is to do the will of the Father. And we, he is compelled, they are compelled by a greater and a higher calling. No one has ever made a millionaire to preach the gospel. Yeah, there's one guy in Texas who's a millionaire for preaching, but I don't know if he preaches the gospel, but this man does. And this lady gives her heart and soul for the work of God because they do it to please the Father. Amen? The greatest thing for us to remember is that we go up to Jerusalem to fulfill God's purpose. What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is our end goal. Jerusalem is our heaven. Jerusalem is the place where we want to go to. You see, we may not receive all the benefits, all the accolades here on earth, the pats on the back or everything we want in life. And, uh, but in heaven is our purpose and our fit. And goal is to make it a heaven. You know why? Because in that place, the Father has many rewards to those who have been faithful in his work. So whatever we may do now, as it may be little, but in comparison to what the Lord has for his servants in heaven, it is so much greater. What compels them to do what they do? Because their end is to go to that new Jerusalem. They know that what they have been given is a gift. And what they have been given, they've been entrusted in. It was from the Father. And there's no other person. I believe there's no other people more special for us than this family. How many can say amen to that? We talk so much today about our decisions for Christ, our plans, and our de determination, what we wanted to, to do, our decisions for this and that. But in the New Testament, the only aspect that brought the compelling purpose of God is that it says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We didn't choose to do this work. Every Sunday after the pastor preaches, we go out and have tacos al pastor, and I'm not talking about real tacos. You know, we complain about him. <laughs> That's what called tacos de pastor. We, we, we complain about him. We, everything, we, we criticize this. and that. But that's, you know what? He's doing it because he has no other choice. Because they've been called to do this. You see, the reward is not here. The reward is in heaven. And as the Lord knew that his time was coming up soon, surrounded by his friends and surrounded by the people that he was teaching, he realized, hey, fellas, we need to come back to the one purpose, and that is to go to Jerusalem. Because I know if we get there, the purpose of God will be culminated in my life. You did not choose me, but I chose you. John 15, 16 says, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And Luke 18.31 reminds us that he's, he, he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve aside. God takes us aside all the time. Amen. We have not yet understood all that is to know the compelling purpose of God. The Christian life is to be one of complete surrender to the Lord as a fragrant offering, as a sacrifice to God. But it is a surrender of our person, not just our talents, resources, and gifts. We are giving the Lord our very lives for him to make us like himself. Walking a life of love for people. That simply becomes a way of life. We don't think about what we're going to do for the Lord. We are enamored with him and live for the Lord in any spontaneous, random situation that happened or any natural acts of, we just, our natural acts is loving people and God, just like he did when he walked upon this earth. That is the goal and that is the heart of a pastor. 
When a young man came up to him and called him Lord, good master, the Bible said he turned around and the Bible said he loved them. And he asked them, what must I do to be saved? And as a pastor, who doesn't want to hear those words, right? That's pan comido. That's already said. But the Lord said, I love you. But then he asked him about his life. He asked him, have you kept the commandments? I have. He felt good. But then this is the hard part about ministry is telling the truth that we know it's going to hurt. We know it's going to compel you to think about your life. And this is sometimes not the easiest task to do as a pastor. And the Lord told them, go and sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. And the Bible said that this young man turned around and walked away. You see, it is hard to serve. It is hard to be bold. It is hard to tell the truth. But there is something that compels us that we want you to get to heaven. We want you to go to the new Jerusalem. We don't want you to stay like you are. And even though we want to pat you on the back and cover up your wounds, but there are times as men and women of God, we got to tell you truths that hurt. But it's not because we want to hurt you, but something compels us to take you as many of us to heaven. How many want to go to heaven? Amen. Jesus' life was not forced, cumbersome, or just doing things. He lived out the will of his Father with freedom, delight, and purpose. And that is how we are to follow him. It reminds me of this great man, Abraham, who said, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You see, that's faith. That's faith and trusting in God. That even though we don't see results, we trust in the God of the results. Even though we feel this might be a hard word, but we know whatever cuts, it'll heal. And whatever heals begins to make a scar. And whatever we do for Christ is not in vain. Amen? By faith, Abraham says in 11.8 Hebrews, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land. You know, our pastor wasn't born here. He was uh, born in a different land. Yeah, he's not a full American. I thought he was Salvadorian when I first met him. Because <laughs> his name is Nestor. He came to the U.S. He went back to Mexico he lived out a life of, uh, of trouble and uh, didn't, doing his own thing, thinking he's going to do his own will. But right there, that's when God called him out again. You need to come back. I need you to come back to a land that you're unfamiliar with. And even he dwelled, the Bible says, Abraham in tents with Isaac and Jacob, Jacob fellow heirs. Of the same promise. And verse 10 says, For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He brought him over there to right here and with us in Mission Hills. But his sight is not so much in this city. You know what our theme is for Dayspring Church? Save the world, what? One person. At a time. Jesus was the pastor of the smallest church. He took 12 with him. And he always pulled them aside. And created the greatest impact in the world has ever seen. The preaching of the gospel throughout the whole world. But it takes faith. It takes men and women of God willing to say. I will go. And I will go in faith. And what is this new Jerusalem that we're so talking about? In Revelations chapter 21, verses 2, John saw, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. This is not our end goal. The end goal for him and his family and the ministry here 
is to take you to that new city. It's to take you to that new place. And the time we spend preaching the gospel is for you to rise up, to understand that this is not your home. You're just passing through. We are taking you as a pastor, take sheep, not to the slaughter. We are taking you as pastors, as our sheep, to take you to a new heaven and a new glory in Jesus' name. My words to our pastoral family is, don't lose sight of where you're taking your sheep. And that is the new Jerusalem. God bless you. Well, good morning, everyone. I never preach from this thing. (laughs) I tell Nestor, it overpowers me. You know, I'm only six feet. (laughs) This thing is just, it's just enormous. Uh, it's funny that Tony mentions that the first time we got to, uh, to Panorama City where Pastor Nestor was preaching or ministering or pastoring, uh, the first time we got there, uh, we met the pastor after church and then we left and, and my family and I, we were just wondering, what nationality was Pastor Nestor? And uh, I said, I think he's Salvadoran. <laughs> and my wife says, no, I think he's Puerto Rican. And we didn't know what he was. Yeah, until we found out he was from Hot Waters, Mexico. Aguascalientes. <laughs> you know, the first time we, we got to uh, Dayspring Church, I, I came from a very, uh, I, I would say, a very legalistic church, a, a very traditional church. Uh, we were used to wearing suits. And so the first time we got there, you know, I put on my best suit, my best tie, you know, and we got to church. And when we walked in, nobody was wearing a suit and tie. Not even the pastor. He was wearing a ripped shirt. (laughs) No, I'm just playing. Uh, He was just all casual and everything. I said, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, and then we we decided to go back the next Sunday. And so the next, the following Sunday, I I dressed down. I just wore my khakis and a shirt. And everybody was wearing a suit and everybody was dressed up. And that was just confusing. Well, it was Christmas. Everybody dresses up for Christmas. So uh, I thought it it was kind of neat. Well, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, today, we, we pause to celebrate and to honor our pastors uh, for their love, their commitment, their work, their tears, their prayers, their counsel. And we just want to say thank you. Can we say thank you? Thank you, thank you Pastor. We just want to bless him. Thank you, thank you for your hard work. You know, our pastors are not perfect, far from it. And the pastor's the only one that said amen. I didn't think I'd anybody else say amen. But our pastors are perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm reminded of the story of Moses. You know, Moses, God had chosen Moses to lead, lead his people out of, uh, out of Egypt after 400 years in, in slavery. And they were in the desert, and the Bible says that the the people started to murmur and to complain. You know, they didn't want Moses as a leader anymore. And so the Bible says that the people gathered together to pick a new leader. That's what the Bible says. But it wasn't going to happen. You know why? Because it was God who chose Moses for that specific time, for that specific purpose. And I believe that Nestor and his family are here for this specific time and for this specific purpose. God has placed him in this place to minister and to bless his people. Amen? Amen. And because he is, he is put on a pedestal of the church, you know, as Pastor Tony said, he often becomes a target of criticism. And far too often, we neither honor nor support them the way that God has commanded us to do so. And God has commanded us to do so. You know, I'm gonna, they're going to put it up there in 1 Timothy chapter um, 5, verse 17 to 18. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor. I'll read it up here. The elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard in both preaching and teaching. Amen? For the scripture says, you, not, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain, and in another place, those who work deserve their pay. I like what the NIV says. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy 
of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is... Oh, that's Ernie. <laughs> I forgot to turn off my watch. Uh, where was I? <laughs> All right. For it says, do not muzzle the ox while it was treading out grain and the worker deserves the wages. Now, the Apostle Paul here tells us that we are to look upon our, our pastors, or in this case, the elders, which is interchangeable, and we are to consider them not only worthy of honor, but the Apostle Paul says double honor. We are to respect them. We are to support them. How, but how are we to support them? Well, with our prayers, first and foremost, but also with our encouragement, and yes, with our finances. Amen? You know, I, I heard a story of a, of a boy. Uh, he, uh, he leaned over after a Sunday sermon to tell his mother. He told his mother, you know, I've decided to become a pastor when I grow up. You have? Why did you decide that, she asked. And the little boy says, well, I figured it's more fun to stand up here and yell than it is to sit there and listen. <laughs> For some, a pastor is just preaching on a Sunday, a Sunday sermon. Well, Sunday sermons play an important role, but it's, it's only the tip of the iceberg in pastoral ministry. You know, pastoring is hard. 72% of pastors report working between 55 to 80 hours per week. 90% of pastors are on call 24-7. 24% of pastors' family resent the church and the effects it has on their families. 85% of the pastors that use the internet or other uh, resources uh, have not improved their study. 54% of pastors find the role of pastor overwhelming. 70% 70 of pastors do not have someone they consider as a close friend. That's not the case for Pastor Nestor because he's got me. <laughs> 50% of pastors feel discouraged. They feel stressed. They, they feel fatigued. 84% of the pastors desire to have a close friend with someone they can trust and confide in. You know, over the past years, I think it's been about four or five years that I've been uh, with Pastor Nestor. And Pastor Nestor and I have grown very close. I consider Pastor Nestor one of my closest and dearest friends. I mean, we, we, we pretty much talk about everything. He is one of my best friends. And I really love this guy. And over the years, I've noticed some characteristics that I would like to share with you this afternoon. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, they're good. They're good. They're good. <laughs> and the first characteristic is that he cares. Pastor Nestor is, is among the most loving people I know. Now, he's not very affectionate. And when he told me that... <laughs> You know, I do the opposite. <laughs> it's funny that uh, I know he doesn't mean this, but when we run sometimes, he tells me, hey, if you fall over and you need mouth to mouth. <laughs> he says, I'm just going to call Grace and tell her that he died. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, teachers and nurses and counselors are rightly lauded for their caring hearts. But Pastor Nestor is, easily has the same level of empathy. And I have witnessed, personally, people who, who go to Pastor Nestor when, they, when they're facing crisis, hard decisions, and, and need a shoulder to cry on, and a, a dose of kindness, it is Pastor Nestor who is there. The second characteristic is that he works hard. Yes. He does, yes, he does. He really does work hard. You know, there are times when I talk to Pastor Nestor in the morning and I ask him, hey, where are you going? He says, I'm off on my way to work. Pastors don't work. 
That's what he calls it. And sometimes you'll hear him say this. You'll hear him say, yeah, I had the dream job. And I tell him, it's not a job. It's a calling. Pastors don't work. You know, and Pastor Nestor works really hard. You know, pastoring is 24-7. And he's never completely off, even when he, he's at home spending time with his family. And I'm sure there's lazy pastors out there. But your pastor, Pastor Nestor, is one of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. He is. Number three, he loves what he does and who he does it with, mainly me. I tell Nestor, he's become kind of a celebrity status, you know? And he'll tell you this, and he knows I'm not lying because I'm preaching up here. You know, we're running, and hey, Pastor Nestor, you know, man, oh, it's someone that, we'll go to Starbucks, someone will come up to him, Pastor Nestor, and he's become a celebrity status, so to speak. But he really loves what he does. He really does. Even when it's hard, Pastor Nestor is passionate about fulfilling God's calling in his life. Now, so many times... I've seen Pastor Nestor smile in glee, his eyes filled with grateful tears as he shares story about people he serves, often both at the same time. You know, loving Jesus and loving his people is the essence of what he's called to do. And Pastor Nestor excels in both. Number four, he's sharpening the saw. Franklin Covey gave us this. Franklin Covey is, a, is like a leadership type seminar. Or he, at least he popularized this. And the saying, sharpening the saw, it, it's a metaphor for leaders who are constantly honing their skills and getting better at what they do. You know, when Pastor Nestor and I, we run, you know, we agree on the, on the essentials. There's certain theological things that we just, we're just so far apart. You know, and we're talking, and he usually loses the argument. <laughs> but uh, he's always, always sharpening his soul. And he's always learning in various ways. He's always studying the scripture. He's always on podcasts. He tells me, hey, I'm reading this new book today on leadership. I'm listening to this, this podcast, you know. Pastor Nestor I, I know personally, he has a curiosity of life, ministry, and serving the church. And that's what keeps him anew. And that's what keeps him afresh. We enjoy his sermons. Amen? Yes. We really do enjoy his sermons. Number five, he honors Jesus. He honors Jesus. I was recently listening to a book. Do you guys catch that? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't read anymore. You know, technology has advanced so that I can just plug those ears, those ear things in my uh, ears and listen to a book. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I recently listened to a book in which the author made an outrageous, grandiose, critical claim and essentially stating that most churches are dying and practically every pastor is compromised except the author himself, of course. And while some churches are dying and some pastors are morally compromised, it's far from the exception and not the rule. Now, there are many God-honoring, Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching congregations in this world, but I am grateful that I am in the company of one who honors Jesus, who loves preaching his word, who loves serving his people. He honors Jesus by preaching his word and loving his people, and he is a better pastor than what you and I believe he is. And number six, and last but not least, he's still doing it. Amen. He's still ministering. Pastors give up. By the droves, give up ministry, but he's still doing it. Consistency 
And longevity are two of humanity's most underrated characteristics and traits. And so much of what the pastor does can't be appreciated until they have time to be planted, to take root, and slowly grow over the years, even decades of his ministry. You know, our society worships at the altar of fast and big, but slow and steady is always better. And this is what I tell Nestor. Slow and steady is always better. Yeah, I always tell him that. He doesn't invite me to run anymore. (laughs) Because I'm slow and steady. And he's fast and in a hurry. I got to tell you a story. And I think I've said it a few times here. You know, we were, uh, we were running our first marathon, him and I, and, you know, we're running together. And, and if you don't know Pastor Nestor, he's very competitive. Yeah. You know? Amen. Yes. He's very competitive. And we're like in the 18th or 10th mile. I don't know what it was. And I stopped to get some water. And uh, I looked back, and I was looking for Nestor. I said, where is he? And he had taken off. Yeah. And then we, we made a turn, and then he says, Santo, that's what he calls me. <laughs> I said, there you are. <laughs> you know, I, I really do appreciate our, our talks and our long walks. But I'm glad that Pastor is still doing it, and he hasn't given up. So what we want to say is thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Sister Lorena, for lending Pastor Nestor to us. Thank you for answering God's call. Thank you for doing it. And doing it consistently for as long as you have. Truly, God has blessed you. God has called you for this time and this place and this hour to minister to God's people. And we just want to say thank you for your hard work. Thank you for your labor. Thank you for your tears. Thank you for your counseling. We really do appreciate all your work and what you do for God's people. And the work that you continue to do in this church. Thank you, Pastor Nestor. Good morning, everybody. I've been asked to bring the word today. I'm just joking. (laughs) Behind every great man there is an even greater woman. And I, I am a strong believer that we have to honor people in life and not wait until it's too late. So this morning, I have the privilege to share a few words to honor Lorena. Lorena does, know, does not know this, but I knew her long before I came to this church. My husband had shared some wonderful details about his friends, Nestor and Lorena, and how dedicated they were to ministry. And my husband was right. My husband was telling the truth. And I have seen this firsthand during the last two and a half years. I have learned to appreciate Lorena for who she is and what a friend can be found in her. I believe her to be beautiful inside and out. And besides being a good wife, she's a wonderful mother and a good leader. She is a woman of prayer and she's a strong supporter of her husband's ministry. I like to think of Lorena as her husband's letter of recommendation. (laughs) Lorena is creative and ready to serve at any place and any time. She's ready to go the extra mile, always willing to give more than to receive anything back. She's ready to give the greatest effort more than anyone. 
She's even willing to accept criticism without quitting or judging. She's full of grace and favor. Everything she does, I stop crying because I'm going to cry. <laughs> Everything she does is out of love. She's brave, facing every storm with prayer and with a smile. In preparing for today, I asked my aunt and my mentor, who's also a pastor's wife, yeah, what is the best way to honor such a person as Lorena? And she told me, a pastor's wife is the one who works for the church and, and doesn't receive any compensation back. She can be hurt in a thousand ways, sometimes even through people who talk badly about her husband or her kids or about her. She's the object of a world of expectations. It is expected that she dresses in a modest way, but still attractive. Dresses really well, but not too much, right? It is expected that she be the perfect mom with disciplined, well-behaved children who need to be role models of good behavior and expect to always attend church. It is expected that she understands that her, that her husband can be called to work at any time of the day or even at night. If she complains about her calling, some church members don't sympathize with her. If she expresses her frustration, the general response is often, so why did she marry a pastor? So today, I want us as a congregation to think, what do we owe a pastor's wife? What do we owe Lorena? We owe Lorena the right to be her own self, the right to take care of her own spiritual, physical, and emotional health. And a lot of who our pastor is, is because of his wife and her unconditional support. She is truly our first lady. Lorena deserves our respect. Lorena deserves our love. Lorena deserves our sympathy. Lorena deserves our prayers. Lorena deserves a standing ovation today. So I'm gonna ask you to raise on your feet. Lorena, thank you. Thank you for what you do. We see you. We are here for you. We appreciate you. And we love you. I love you. Thank you. We have a video for you.
Yeah, we love you, Pastor Nestor. Yes, first and foremost, is it on? Yeah, first and foremost, we love Jesus, but we also love our pastors. Amen? So can we stand and give them a round of applause and thank them? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Nestor. Uh, you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much. We want Pastor Nestor and his family to come up here. We want to bless them. We want to honor them. But we also want to pray for him and pray for his family. And thank him for the hard work and the labor that they do. The commitment that they show to each and every one. The church has been so blessed to have this couple and family. We love them, we appreciate them, and we just want to say, God bless you and thank you for your hard work. So uh, first of all, we, we have a, a few gifts, and we also have a few gifts out there, but we want to ask Sister Martha if she would come. We just want to say that we love you so much. Let's see a smile on your face because that's what we love to see every morning. We know that as um, Susie said, and she said everything so perfectly, but as she said, um, it does take a great woman to be be behind a great man. And you are that great woman. It is not easy being a pastor's wife. It takes a special person. And you are that special person. And as you love and encourage your husband, as you support him, you are supporting all of us also. And we just want to say thank you for that. So you wear many hats, so many hats. And you make managing and balancing your role as a wife and a mother and a daughter and a teacher and a leader. You make it look so easy, but we know that it's not. So there is a peace and a calm over you that we see, but we know that it is a life of sacrifice. And we are really grateful that you are sacrificing because we are the beneficiaries of that sacrifice. So we just want to say thank you. There's a scripture that says, I believe it's in 2 Chronicles 16, God is searching the whole world to see whom he can strengthen because of their commitment, full commitment to him. And we see that in you, and that impacts us. That makes us want to be fully committed to him. So again, we thank you. And we see what you do. But more important, because we don't want to give you more pressure, right? We're all looking at you and evaluating you. No, no, no. We see all that you do. But more importantly, God sees what you do. And he is just looking down at you and grateful. He's, thank he's strengthening you in those difficult times. He's giving you wisdom. He's giving you patience with many. And we are grateful. So a little gift from us to you. We love you. Thank you, Sister Martha. I'm going to ask Marlene and Frank to come up here. Marlene and Frank have a... Have a Great life. Um, we appreciate all that you do 
and accepting us. Um, thank you for, for Celebrate Life for accepting us from being um, misfits, a little different, <laughs> and accepting us and all we do. But these are for the kiddos because I know they stand behind you greatly and um, they are big servants already. Maisalie is huge on serving. She's a little Lorena and I, I love it because she, um, she reminds me of my daughter Frankie and, and Lola. She's always there helping and um, we love you guys. You little kiddos are so cute. <laughs> there you go. Frankie, you have some words. Frank, you got some words? Huh? What happened? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm all over I just want to say thank you, Pastor, for always being there and always being supportive. And I know that I can depend on you anytime I go through any storms or anything I go through in life. I know I can count on you. And I thank you and your family for being supportive and for always being here and dedicated and doing God's will. Thank you, guys, for all your inspiration. God bless you both and your family. Thank you, Frank and Marlene. Also, Sister Rosa. Where is she? There she is. Come on up here. Thank you so much, Pastor Lorena and Nestor. We love you guys so much. I want to thank you for your availability always to our family. I know Pastor Nestor and Lorena, you guys heard it probably year after year. We went through high school together and then reunited back in ministry. But I'm so thankful for all of you guys because you guys have always been so available for my family and I. Through the good and through the bad, you've always encouraged me. You're very relatable. You've always helped me feel like even when it's not feeling good, it's good, it's okay. Even when it feels great, it's still okay. So I thank you both so much. Damien and I really admire you, and you guys inspire us in so many different ways. We love your kids. They're so loving to my kids. And I want to thank you, and I just pray the best for you, and I pray that we can see each other as we age, right? And thank you for being available. <laughs> love you guys so much. <laughs> thank you, Sister Rosa, as we age. At this moment, I want us to stand. I'm going to ask Brother Steve and Sister Martha and Pastor Tony. Yes, absolutely. Uh, before we dismiss, um, I want to say two things. One, thank you, thank you, thank you for being graceful towards us. Um, there's a lot of nice things that were said about us, but we know that we're not perfect. And uh, we, we appreciate your support, your love, your patience with us. Thank you. And, um, you know, I, the, the second thing I just want to say is that this year marks 10 years that we've been pastoring as pastors of Dayspring Church. 10 years. We, we started back in 2013, and the Lord has been faithful, and it hasn't been easy, but it has been worth it. And uh, there's been many times when we thought we weren't going to make it, but uh, we have. And we trust that with your help, your prayers, and your presence, we will continue to make it. At 16, I said to the Lord, yes, and I began to lead the youth. And since 16, I have not stopped serving the Lord. And I don't think we're going to stop serving the Lord as long as there's life. So Dayspring, we love you. Thank you for being so awesome. You're amazing. And I believe that the best of day spring is yet to come. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.